Welcome to Young Americans. Uh, this is week three for us. Thank you for coming back if you came here before and thank you for coming if you didn't. We are a weekly DIY depth psychology podcast where we explore differential diagnoses of reality narratives and the creative ways we navigate the void. I am Brooke Macbeth and this is my co-host. I'm Jillian Masland. Um, we are recording the third episode. Currently the first episode is at 27 listens. Woo! <laughs> 27 <laughs> into it i'm i it surpassed i thought if we got 20 we'd be i can't believe we're over 20 i mean we'd be butter i feel like i'm just a, like a lobster like a piece of lobster and like a little melted oh my god little finger dish of butter um, <laughs> so a little bit of housekeeping for the first time we have neglected to mention we've got this very very talented musician who has made our intro outro music and i'm just gonna from now on, we're just going to drop the Instagrams of the people who have been helping us out um, just at the beginning of every episode in case you're curious and want to check out what they do besides this. These people are um, so talented. Yeah. Sorry, and they, keep going. No, no, no. It's, it's, so, it's totally true. Absolutely. Like spontaneously shout from the rooftops about it. <laughs> and beyond that, they've been so, so generous with their time. They deserve to get paid a lot more than we can afford right now with the... <laughs> California Unemployment Endowment for the Arts. They've really gone out of their way to do some beautiful things for us for not a lot. So our musician is Joel St. Julien, and I'm just gonna spell that out just cause it's a little, a little bit French. Um, so it's J-O-E-L-S-T-J-U-L-I-E-N, and that's just his handle on Instagram. Um, let's get some beautiful beautiful music there. Um, and then we've also been very lucky to get Susie May, who's on Instagram at Susie, S-U-Z-Y underscore M-A-E, who also is the uh, genius behind Neon Altar. That's just, just as it sounds, all one word written out on Instagram, Neon Altar. Um, Altar, like a-L-T-A-R, um, and she has very generously been working with us on all of the kind of branded material we're like we're just dipping our toes into merch but we've got like if you've seen on our instagram there's a cool little button graphic um and she is in the process of making us a little piece of original art that we can hardly wait to uh slap up there so everyone can see and she has designed what we're gonna use for stickers. It's the image that we're going to use for stickers, which are available for pre-order now. Uh, Jillian and I suddenly have forgotten the pricing structure. It's one for five, and then- It's one for five, three for 10, yeah. and five for 20, so. Thank you. We give you a little, a little break if you wanna get a bunch and like start putting them wherever you like, just decorating the neighborhood. <laughs> you can obtain those stickers by emailing us at youngamericanspod, J-U-N-G, Americans, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Please also send us love letters or even hate mail. Email us. Yeah, yeah send us pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're already there. Um, we'll see. That's, yeah, that, so that's us, um, house kept. And uh, Brooke, do you want to be the one to um, guide us into our topic today? I'm so excited about this topic. So the D&D &D alignment system, uh, it's arranged on a grid. There are nine different types. It goes from lawful to chaotic on one side, and it goes from good to evil 
on the other side, the different axes of the grid. So you get different combinations, two letter types, lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good, lawful neutral, neutral or true neutral, chaotic neutral, lawful evil, neutral evil, or chaotic evil. And I have enjoyed referring back to this, Jillian, over and over and over again. Uh, just as like a way to measure where I am, what I'm thinking, what my set point is at the time, because characters over time can evolve, especially in a long-term role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons, you can have the same character for years. Um, and you know your morality alignment can change, or really anybody who's watched a television show or even a movie can see a or, character changing or, over time. What I might even say is sometimes it's not even a question of change. I mean, it is sometimes and it's sometimes evolution, but it could right. also be that question of you don't really know the material uh, that the, the stuff that the character is made of until they're activated by a situation wherein Dude. they have to rise to some occasion or, or, or stoop to some occasion as the case may be. Yes, and the good thing about this system or an interesting thing about this system is that it really does measure what the response of the character is to a given situation. Like how good are you gonna be when you're faced with this choice? Uh, and good is measured in terms of altruism generally. Are you willing to do something at the expense of yourself to help someone else? Do you help the innocent? Do you protect the innocent? Um, so we each picked some characters to talk we about. Sure yeah. To amplify um, these different alignments. Yeah, and, it's, I think as you were saying that you find it to be like a useful organizing principle sometimes in your own life, um, this might be fun. And also something that was in that article we were looking at about this is just the fact that so many people who went on to be television writers, fiction writers, to do all these very creative things that aren't quite character driven often kind of cut their teeth on this kind of thing in Dungeons and Dragons. So it's a great, way to great pro yeah, provide structure without being too limiting. It's not a straitjacket. It's just where you're leaning on this continuum, like where you might be on the continuum, but there you can move, you can move all around. Yeah, sure. yeah, there's a lot of wiggle room. And so I just think it's cool for like, perhaps if anyone's really young or they're, they're just thinking about starting to write or they've always been writing, if they're not familiar with this system, it might be a fun thing for them to hear. Um, or it might be something where then you start going around in your day-to-day -day life and kind of have like goggles on where you, you know, <laughs> assessing various people and situations. Um, so, to that end, um, what we're going to do is, is we decided to mostly split up the grid. So after the first one, we're each going to just take one character and you won't hear us doing two for every single, every single box. But um, I'm going to get us rolling with Lawful Good. And my choice for Lawful Good is Ned Flanders. Good old Ned. Flanders. Stupid sexy Flanders. <laughs> with those pert little buns, just uh -huh. like... Nothing at all. Keep going, Jillian. I love this choice. <laughs> his late night fog walks. And, and so that's why I went for Ned Flanders um, is because I think of lawful good to me, and I think that's going to be interesting as we go through the chart because we each sort of have our own spin on what exactly we think of when we think of these terms and these designations, is that it's to me like this sort of goody, goody, goody two shoes, um, like never never breaks the rules kind of thing and but the thing is Ned Flanders like I, I think you can't deny he's his heart is in the right place like he's a really sweet guy 
he's not like one of these, you know, twisted priests or something. He genuinely, <laughs> you know, he's Mr. Church, but he's, he's, he's into it. He's living it. He's really like committed to what he's about. And you know, he's like, he's always being kind to Homer Simpson, no matter what. And yeah. I just like, I like him for lawful good because you're kind of like oh, Ned Flanders, like what a square, you know, oh. but he, he is also, I, th I think, a good representative of the type. I don't know if you want to add anything to that or get right into yours, whatever you like. No, I mean, uh, I always think of lawful good characters as big, boring squares, but, you know, I'm biased. Um, but I think that there's a lot of room in the lawful good characterization for somebody who's really kind of a badass in that way. I mean, not a badass in any traditional sense of the word, but as you mentioned, Ned Flanders completely inhabiting that. I mean, that really is something that shines. My choice for lawful good is a character that I love, Agent Dana Scully, uh, also a Jillian and a redhead. Jillian um, and a redhead. In fact, the <laughs> Jillian and redhead when yeah. I was a small Jillian and a redhead. Mm -hmm. um, abides by rules, is a medical doctor, so she abides by the rules of the scientific method. Uh, a reasonable person, less passionate than Mulder which means she freaks out a lot less and is able to maintain a cool analytical head. But, you know, she's a rules-oriented, good-doing FBI agent. This is probably your best-case scenario for any kind of government employee. <laughs> well, but the interesting thing about her is when I think about the overall arc of the X-Files is I do think she's She loosened not, up over time. Yeah, she's not opposed to a, a little cheating here and there like when i first learned about this grid it reminded me of this designation that was popular for a bit at my college that my friends were really into where they'd say like are you a cheater or a non-cheater and that like the kind of lawful good is like the ultimate non-cheater who like holds their books to their chest and like looks their nose down at you and they won't yeah. let you on their test and like might be even narcs on you to the teacher about it yeah yeah for um, dishonesty or whatever yeah yeah but I feel like then, I mean, we're going to get to like kind of the like archetypal sexy cheater pretty soon when we get a little further <laughs> down the chart. But that's why I, I say like I can see the Dana Scully as lawful good. And I do think she's one of the ones where over the course of time, she sort of flashes an ankle of something a little bit with more depth and, and, and like more shades to it. than Which just opened up the conversation too. Uh... I mean, if you want to take it that far, which I do occasionally, what is the good? I mean, what is the law? What's the highest observation of the law? Superman is another example that's frequently cited for the lawful good. And, you know, that is a boring example, in my opinion. I mean, it's a good example. That's an example of a boring character that I haven't followed. So if that's a recent, like, yeah. if Superman became bad in some movies over the last, like, five years, I don't know about it. <laughs> well too that, that I think is worth mentioning when we're using the term lawful and it's one that I've kind of like returned to a couple of times in, in how I'm construing this assignment that we gave ourselves <laughs> that if we're looking at lawful being you know to abide by the laws of the land yeah. or government or something then that I think that's where the lawful neutral to me starts to become a really interesting character that I'm looking forward to talking about because it, it, when we all have our own individual sort of frames of reference of like what is good and what is not good. And so 
it is very tricky to to pin that down and to say like this is an absolute avatar for lawful good. Do your lawful <laughs> neutral now. I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, no, I'm going in. My neutral good is next. Oh yeah, your neutral good. Sorry. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I will get to my lawful neutral. Never you mind. Um, so my neutral good, I decided to go with Tracy Turnblad from the original Hairspray. I like it. Is immortalized by Ricky Lake. And um, the reason why I chose her, and I, I think she's actually surprisingly contemporary choice in some ways, because she is this, this white girl living in Baltimore in the early 1960s. And she's pretty like, in terms of like the law of the land and like kind of what's going on. I mean, she's a teenager. So I think her experience of all that is not particularly sophisticated because she's still quite young, you know, and, and she's living in this world where she wants to rat her hair and she wants to be on this show dancing and, and all, you know, she wants a boyfriend. But then she gets a little bit like gently radicalized over the course of the film where they start to find out about segregation in Baltimore and she starts to see the injustice in that. And so why I'm putting her at neutral good is like, I'm not saying she on her own without like a lot of this other stuff happening would have necessarily been um, activated in that way. But I do think she genuinely wants to do the good thing and sort of from her neutral starting place, she really feels like what feels like the right thing to do. And I, I think in a lot of ways that makes her kind of um, like in a boat with what a lot of white Americans are feeling right now, where you're just like, oh shit like oh shit i really need to do something about this and like where do i begin and see so yeah. she starts kind of, like with these gestures that are like super meaningful but also they're like within the realm of like what she feels empowered to do from her position that she's in right uh it's hard to feel empowered as a teenage girl um mm -hmm. and tracy turnblad really steps into that in a way that is so satisfying to watch mm -hmm. it is Okay, you ready for okay. chaotic good? Yeah, chaotic good. So <laughs> we both love it. Do you want to talk? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just a disclaimer. I think this is the sexiest one. This is kind of the most um, exciting <laughs> box in a lot of ways. It's pretty exciting. Uh, I feel like chaotic good is the alignment that I like to assign to myself. Although, uh, you know, in the past, I think I've been more of a neutral maybe, but um, man, chaotic good. Chaotic good is the rebel with a heart of gold who might not comb his, her, their hair. Uh, and I came up with or two- Or they comb it real good. They comb yeah. it like all totally. special. <laughs> interrupting. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I went back to the X-Files and chose Fox Mulder as my chaotic good, but you know, there are a lot of chaotic good characters. This is, uh, common, you know, flawed hero type. If we're going with the Harry Potter example, and Harry Potter is pretty rich with examples of these alignments because the characterization is fairly simplistic. Sirius Black is that type. He's really misunderstood. He might be super fucking evil, but then you start to see that he has this goodness of heart that's misunderstood by broader society. So anybody too lawful is going to react to this chaotic good character as, you know, a big problem. This is a person who stirs rebellion. So it is a problem to a lawful orientation. But the overall urge is to protect the innocent, preserve goodness in the world, tip the scale toward a more, you know, altruistic way. Um, yeah. Uh, Actually, I'm curious, since you mentioned Harry Potter, what's Snape? 
Snape, Snape, actually. I did some Googling about this because yeah. uh, I was, I couldn't figure it out myself. And Snape came up as true neutral a lot. Hmm. Well, because he's, I thought, but I don't know, he's good. Like, I know, then, he's good, but like, you don't find way, out until the very, very, very end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a dark horse and it's a long con, but mm -hmm. there is, I think there's an element of chaotic neutral more than true neutral to him which we can get to when we get to chaotic neutral, but- Yeah, um, yeah. And there's also yeah. the question of, uh, you know, it's chaotic from the outside sometimes when it's not chaotic from the inside. And that's mm -hmm. a territory that I really thought about a lot when I was thinking about the completely neutral alignment, but we can keep yes. going. Yeah. No, no, that is a good point because yeah. I, there's that aspect of like something being assigned chaotic when there's method in the madness or mm -hmm. there's some kind of like a larger um longer deeper story that's motivating like in the case of snape where yeah. you yeah. would have to surely do a lot of um excavation to see that yeah clearly. and if you that take a snapshot at any point on the continuum you'll get a different picture of what it is Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which is why, like, I, I wonder what exactly chaotic means. Is it chaotic internally or is it what they do externally? I kind of think of it more as like the, the effect is chaotic. Yeah, the effect is chaotic. Um, which is what we were talking about a little bit earlier today and how the chaotic good, I think, often is the, um, is the spark that can really get things going because it's coming from this place of like such a sense of injustice such a sense of like righteousness righteous indignation um a robin hood get, character yeah like a robin from the rich hood, to give to the poor yeah a girl, like a robin hood or you get like a malcolm x or you right. get like black panthers where you look at the black panthers and they you know they were they wanted schools for the kids and they wanted all these really good really wonderful things for the community but they were yeah. also like you know, this is how it's going to have to be done for us to get where we're going. This is our decision to approach it in this way, because this is what's going to, you know, get people to sit up and take notice of what we're doing. Yep. Yeah. Got to break a few eggs. Yeah, they're definitely, they're, they're not afraid to break an egg. The chaotic yeah. good think. Um, I mean, yeah, sometimes, uh, well, as we're clearly seeing now in American history, you just really have to instigate protest rebel against systems and to, yeah and you also need to like not tire you have to be so you have to have so much endurance yeah yeah well. because there's like the exciting spark points and then there's just the ongoing constant making sure that the fire doesn't go out yes um should i go to lawful neutral let's do it yeah the lawful neutral um I have recently joined a party called Watching the Handmaid's Tale, which um, I, should, I haven't read the book. And I just got into watching the show probably like a week and a half ago. So I, I decided to let that inform one of my choices. And I'm doing for Lawful Neutral the Aunt Lydia character who, um, again, I don't know if she's in the book or not because I haven't read it, but in the show just like a really 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 quick um synopsis for anyone who's not familiar with the handmaid's tales the story by margaret atwood and it's essentially like an alternate us wherein um some like super super religious men have taken over a large swath of the united states they changed the name to gilead and there has been because of pollution this um 
crisis in fertility where suddenly a lot of women aren't able to give birth and those who are able to have children, there's a lot of stillbirth, there are a lot of deformed children being born, children with like really severe birth defects. So they set up this crazy system where the husbands and the wives who are like in charge of everything have what are called handmaids and the handmaids are these women who are proven to be fertile and for whatever reason are also considered to be sort of sinners from the past like it could have been that they were unmarried before everything went down it could have been that they um the woman who sort of becomes the center of the story on the show um had had an affair with a married man so they got all that on the record and they're like okay now she's got to do her penance and so where the Aunt Lydia character comes into it is when all these women are essentially kidnapped by the new government, um, they're taken to be rendered, or to be rendered um, processed <laughs> at a center where they're sort of being re-educated. And the aunts are this class of women who are, you know, kind of just that. They're like an aunt. They're sort of like an unmarried aunt, a spinster, or someone who's beyond childbearing age who take on this role of being these sort of like, they're sort of maternalistic, but they're very strict with the girls, and they kind of treat them like children. And they, their 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 main goal in life is to see these women become impregnated and to see them bring a child to term. And so. Why I chose the Aunt Lydia character, because actually, I mean, this all sounds really evil, and it's absolutely evil, this whole, this whole system. Bring it home, Maslin. Oh, is that? <laughs> Bring it home, Maslin. I like it. All right. I just, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm just like the bits in my teeth now. Um, I, I think of the lawful neutral when I was reading about it as the um, banality of evil designation on this, where the lawful neutral is like somebody who hasn't really had to make a choice whether they're good or bad and then whenever something comes up that is scary and like can punish you pretty severely like this regime then you say to yourself you know what like better in than out like better on the good side of this than the bad side or maybe you don't even go that far maybe you're just like oh this is life now okay sure i'll i'll do this because i can have this powerful position within this yeah within this new government and so um yeah no, i know i think of like lawful neutral also might deal with a lot of people who were kind of like functionaries in like nazi germany because there's that same kind of feeling where it's like oh well if the nazis hadn't taken over maybe they would have just been like you know a streetcar guy or something you know <laughs> yeah yeah and it happens a lot i mean i feel like we see real life examples of that constantly yeah oh that was a yeah, good I mean, do, do you have anything to add? I just kind of like, <laughs> I just did a monologue. <laughs> I feel very satisfied by that explanation. Cool. Uh, <laughs> neutral? I'm interested to find out what you're doing. Yeah, for stepping into true neutral. Uh, my first inclination was to go for an artificial intelligence type character. Um, and sort of jumping off from Star Trek The Next Generation as a reference point uh, in that cosmology, of course, you know, Captain Picard is your lawful good. Should have brought him up as an example because I do like him as an example of that. Um, and a couple of things I read mentioned Data as a possible true neutral, although I have to qualify this, uh, Data's Starfleet programming really inclines him toward the human good. So it's, you know, again, dependent, your perspective depends on where you're standing. Uh, and as I thought about it more, 
um, I think that a case could be made for a lot of different pop culture AI characters, possibly even Hell 9000 for being true neutral characters in that they can take action that looks evil from the outside, but isn't actually. It's neutral according to whatever their programming is. And that would be their alignment, their programming. But I also found some things um, online that were interesting descriptions of neutral. And I'm going to read one now. Sure, yeah. Uh, a neutral character does what seems to be a good idea. She doesn't feel strong, strongly one way or the other when it comes to good versus evil or law versus chaos. Most neutral characters exhibit a lack of conviction and a lack of bias rather than commitment to neutrality. Such a character thinks of good as better than evil. After all, she'd rather have good neighbors and rulers than evil ones. Still, she's not personally committed to upholding good in any abstract or universal way. But sometimes neutral characters, on the other hand, commit themselves philosophically to neutrality. They see good, evil, law, and chaos as prejudices and dangerous extremes. They advocate the middle way of neutrality as the best, most balanced road in the long run. So again, we're looking at what it is over time. And if you want to remain in balance with whatever forces are without you, then you know neutrality can be the committed choice, even though outwardly it would appear to be a totally uncommitted choice. Uh, so it's interesting. I mean, it can really go either way, and it's a case-by-case -case behavioral determining set point. Like, you're just going to analyze things as they come to you and behave accordingly. So it could even appear to be chaotic from the outside, although it wouldn't necessarily be. You're looking at the cost-benefit analysis from sort of an ecological perspective and uh, trying to keep things balanced rather than looking at a cost-benefit analysis and, you know, correcting to the side of good or, you know, correcting to the side of evil. I mean, could that make an argument then that someone who, you know, is like a Zen monk or something is yes. sort of neutral or like that? A, a Taoist could be a neutral. Well, and because I, the reason why I'd say that is because the other thing about being true neutral is like, I think the laboratory conditions in which you can actually maintain that level of neutrality are probably ones in which you have like an incredibly steady lifestyle wherein you're not That's really being a called hermit, a monk or a sage. <laughs> so the hermit is a neutral. And there's also um, the other thing I was thinking of when you're saying that is I think that neutral, true neutral is maybe more of like a state of mind that people enter into when they're in a situation of, for instance, like survival. Yes. Like when you're one of these stories where somebody, you know, you're like, for whatever reason, at the mercy of somebody oppressive or you're in a really terrifying situation where like really it just it comes down to like the survival instinct, which is ultimately is without any kind of a moral imperative because really yeah. it's, it's just like a, it's an instinct. It, it yeah. just comes yeah. within. Yeah. You're keeping yourself alive. You're yeah. Yeah, it's not about like, oh, am I hurting someone's feelings to get this done? Or like, or even am I hurting myself? Because you're not even like functioning in a place where that is entering into the thing. I mean, a lot of these other types, you really, it's like a luxury to get to be these types. <laughs> yes. Because it means you have the, the chance to, you know, have the mind space wherein you are making the choice to, you know, set yourself into any given category. I think about that a lot. We still have the luxury of being able to form our own opinions and <laughs> have our own feelings. This dystopia could get to the point where we don't have that anymore. 
Yeah. Um, Hope it doesn't. Chaotic neutral, shall we? Chaotic neutral, let's do it. So chaotic neutral, my original, because this is an interesting one that's really fun for me. Um, I was originally thinking of Templeton, the rat from Charlotte's Web. Oh yeah. He's like anyone's for half a hot dog, you know? He's yeah. like, he's like a wheeler and a dealer. But then when I thought a little bit more about it, I decided that I'd like to look at um, just kind of the trickster as the chaotic neutral, in particular, someone like Loki, who is sometimes called like the god of chaos in North, mm -hmm. Norse mythology. And the reason being that Loki is like, he's, you can't pin him down. Like sometimes he does something really shitty and then the next thing you know, he turns around and does something really great. And it's like when you're weighing his feather, it's like one of those like Viking ships you ride at the <laughs> fair, like just going whoop and down and woo and, but oh, but he killed, oh, but then he gave this, what, you know. Uh, what, the horse. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like he gave this amazing horse. It's got a, like, you know, sometimes and he's even like even gender chaotic. Yeah, totally, totally. He yeah. fathered some children as um, male form, and then he also does um, transform into a mare and give birth to a horse in that way. And so I just feel like there's this real just sort of like pure energy about him that um, like there was an article that I was reading when I was thinking about this really to me like is emblematic of chaos itself wherein it, it causes change, it's a catalyst for change. Um, sometimes good change, sometimes bad change, sometimes it's hard to tell. Like, hey, um, we're going on a ride. <laughs> yeah, he takes you for a ride. And that to me um, really spoke to like my understanding of what the chaotic neutral is all about. Do you have any I love that one? characterization. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm always uh, kind of low key sold on Loki, but mm -hmm. uh, you know. I find the chaotic neutral to be really interesting and kind of attractive um, because it's just, it's stimulating to have a character that is unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Cool. Um, do okay. you want to do lawful evil? Lawful evil. I had some ideas about who I was going to choose for this. And then yesterday, as Jillian already knows, I fell into a hole of watching videos of Karens on the internet. So the rise of the Karen is a thing that is happening culturally uh, <laughs> on social media while uh, the United States, you know, continues to work out its really terrible racism issues. So for anyone who's who's new to Karen, could you give like a, an elevator pitch on Karen? Karen um, is the white fragile woman who wants to speak to the manager. And uh, you know, this is part of internet misogyny too, which I don't love buying into. Um, but you know, male Karens are starting to be recognized also. So that's something, uh, but it does. Are they called Carl's? They're called Kevin's. Oh, that makes sense. I can see that. Girls too European. Uh, so the Karen, the Karen wants to speak to the manager, but the Karen ultimately reveals herself to be some kind of bigot. And there are a lot of like racist bigot Karens that are coming out on the internet right now. And this is the woman who at her sort of uh, highest education form will offer a really condescending admonishment say to a protester, I've seen a few videos of like, you know, teenage girls holding up signs on street corners, just really, you know, truly peacefully protesting. And then mm -hmm. a 
you know, sort of middle-aged white woman will happen upon them and say, this is not how you do things. Don't do this. And there was a video that went around about a woman in San Francisco who did this, a man who was stenciling Black Lives Matter onto the sidewalk in front of the house that he lives in in Pacific Heights. Mm -hmm. And this local Karen said, I know the owner of this house and you're not the owner of this house. And that's just not how you do things. You're defacing this property. And she was just so smug and awful about it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the whole message was, we don't do things that way. That's not how we do things. Anyway, she lost her job. People identified her right away and she got fired. And that's what's kind of happening to these Karens. I saw another video of a woman who's a nurse who's married to a police officer. And she was just saying all this racist shit about how, you know, people of color uh, also have privilege. And she was describing her perception of those privileges um, in a way that, you know, revealed her over the course of three minutes to be extremely racist. Mm. And... Uh, but this is a nurse married to a cop. And these are the people who gleefully enact laws that cause other people harm. So mm-hmm. lawful evil is your murdering cop. It's also your Karen. Mm-hmm. So this is a spectrum of evil that causes like different degrees of damage to human life. But ultimately, it's a person who's going to hide behind whatever affiliation they have in order to enact harm on people and take pleasure in it. I believe. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is interesting to think about, like that, um, that urge that people yeah. have. It's to like it's, be a- it's it's definitely like a bedfellow with mansplaining, where <laughs> you feel like you've been handed this, you know, sort of like privilege wand yeah. that you can wave around at everyone, and that somehow it. Um, well, entitles, you're entitled, that it somehow entitles you to, you know, tell other people how to live in this, like, pretty intrusive way. Yeah, um, and to presume that you know them based on literally nothing. I mean, nothing. people that haven't even talked to you, who are just existing in front of you in a way that you find annoying. <laughs> right, I mean, that's a lot like that same um, mindset that came into play a lot when, um, in the early days of talking about marriage equality, that sort of, because I think like Ned Flanders being lawful good, I don't think he's like, I think he's like the guy who might be like, yeah, gay people, I don't really understand it, but like without like malice to it. But then when you get into the people that are like the idea that two people who I don't think should be together, whatever the case may be, but yeah. usually, I mean, in this case, I guess, you know, two people are gay, that that is somehow, like, eroding your sense of, yeah. like, the right order of the world, and that kind of, that idea that, like, yeah. you are so at the center of the right order of the world, that anything, anyone, but also that your center, your sense of that is so completely fragile that like that little thing is just gonna like destroy it if you think your straight marriage is affected at all by the gay marriage of another person that you'll never ever meet or talk to you're fucked up (laughs) like republicans who are all about that like your straight marriage is more threatened by the fact that you're like trying to pick up underage boys at a rest don't fuck 14 girls from the mall and you won't threaten yeah try try not fucking 15 year old any kind of 15 year old like leave them be <laughs> Karen <laughs> anyway lawful evil uh to sum up fuck those people I think that might be my least favorite category of people mm-hmm. yeah they're not 
they're not the most likable crew, the lawful evil folk. Um, should we end in neutral evil? Is that cool? Let's Shall we? I'm ready. Um, so my, my interpretation of the brief, which I think was kind of different from yours, so if you want to add anything or like tell a different example. No, um, I think we agree. Uh, yeah, keep going. So what I got, because there was a, a note that neutral evil, to get back to Harry Potter, is kind of the Voldemort. Um, so that to me indicates something um, sort of like what happened with the French Revolution, where or even you could say um, the Russian Revolution, like a lot of revolutions, where you get this sort of what feels like it could even be chaotic good energy, because it's just like, or, or chaotic neutral, the chaos energy kind of like recedes, the tide goes out, and what it's left in its wake is this potentially neutral evil, because um, what I chose as an example of neutral evil would be something from Silicon Valley. In particular, I'm thinking about um, Amazon or like a Lyft and like the whole kind of language and posturing around disruption. Yes. And what that's all about because, you know, the idea of disruption is it's very appealing. It's very to like throw it all the way back, like Occupy Wall Street, where you think like, oh, cool, yeah. Um, and what you get in there though is like, it, it is often, quite driven by the same kind of like white male privilege um, that has been, you know, that's yeah. like, it's right in there. I mean, Silicon Valley, I, I don't think anybody's surprised <laughs> that that's- <laughs> They call it disruption, but all it is is demolishment to form monopolies. Well, I mean, it's actually, it's kind of a lot like um, what happened with the baby boomers where we had the 60s and that all felt very promising, like some real shit was gonna change. People but then a lot went back in like the Ben and Jerry's of the world and like the body shops of the world and they just went and like made themselves big companies to make themselves rich yeah with perhaps like lip service towards you know some kind of charitable action on the side but so yeah to look at something like an Amazon you know there's there's a lot of and I think this is something about neutral evil too that makes it um something we have to be vigilant about because it comes in and it's sort of like whispers in your ear and it gives you all these promises. it's a lot like the devil devil like the old stories of the devil where it's like showing you all this cool shit you can have um and then you're not really considering like the greater implications of something like that like the um the toll it has on like the fact that you know uber they're fucking awful to their people and then there's also yeah. the aspect of you know there were a lot of like early on in uber there were sexual assaults happening and then that that feeling that they then act like they're not actually involved in the thing even though they totally are um that was just really what like what it made me feel because it's that idea that like oh look we made it new we made it better but like actually we just found a new way to make it even more fucked up yeah when the we're problems were revealed especially with uber it was like oh no no they the company distanced themselves both from the predators and from the victims like they're independent contractors uh, bye <laughs> yeah that's like the gross side of neutrality where yeah. you're like oh we don't agree with what he did but we don't go so far as to like actually really feel bad up into that person though like it's that ugh, yeah. it's gross it's I, so it's gross yeah, it's like the judges that presided over that fucking kid who raped the girl, and they were like, "Oh, but his promising swimming oh, career." Oh God, that made me. That's so some. Mad. His fucking. That's career. Fucking neutral evil. I don't remember that little asshole's last name, but I read the uh, essay that the woman he raped wrote, and it broke my heart. Oh, uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, ugh. 
Yeah, neutral evil. Any? Do, do you have anything you want? Because I know you had some other ideas that you mentioned about neutral evil. No, I was wanna... thinking about chaotic evil when we were talking about it. And uh, chaotic evil, uh, I think that there are more pop culture examples than I was able to readily come up with because this is a violent grouping, <laughs> if you're ready for it. Mm -hmm. Like, chaotic evil is just fucking balls to the wall, bonkers, fucking evil. Um, oh, actually, I just came up with one. Did you watch mm -hmm. Killing Eve? I didn't, but I've, I've heard a lot about it. Dude, it was really good. And uh, I'm telling you and our listeners, if they exist, hi guys, 27, I hope you came back. Um, hey, I don't like violent stuff because I'm kind of a squeamish baby. Uh, Killing Eve was super violent. And I really, it was just so fucking good. I couldn't not watch it. So Villanelle, <laughs> I think... Would wait, wait, really quick though, um, yeah. just because I haven't seen it and in case anyone else hasn't, is there any point where you need to make a spoiler? I'm not going to spoil anything. Okay, yeah. cool. Just I, I know that I, I yeah. will sometimes. There's tons along. of stuff to spoil. You'll find out very quickly uh, when you start watching Killing Eve, if you ever do, which you should because it's really good, uh, that Villanelle is just fucking bonkers violent. Um, she does work with a purpose. The chaotic evil can sometimes be a character that works really with no purpose. It's just complete, like, complete chaos. Mm -hmm. But this is a character that can't be trusted not to, like, murder a person that's in front of her at any given mm -hmm. moment or him. Uh, the Harry Potter example that I came across was Bellatrix Lestrange. Um, you know. She's a loose cannon, that Bellatrix. Wait, what? She's a loose cannon. She is. She's a loose cannon. The chaotic evil is a loose cannon. I also mm -hmm. saw as an example the Joker lots of times, and I haven't seen that recent movie. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've seen a Joker portrayed since Heath Ledger. May he rest in peace. I'll catch up if I need to. But that does make sense because this is um, this is an agent of destructive change and not destructive positive change. People mm. are going to die. You let the chaotic evil loose and you're going to lose, you know, characters that you love and things that you love. The city will be a burning husk of a nothing by the time this person is done or agent of whatever kind it is. Um, so... The like is the um did you watch game of thrones yes Joffrey the, mountain, the mountain would be chaotic evil right i wonder if the mountain would be chaotic evil he's so controlled by cersei uh joffrey baratheon was an example that i saw of chaotic evil mm -hmm. uh i mean it strikes me in the examples that i've seen and in my own inclination as like a really bloodlusty kind of character the evil mm -hmm. is the motivation to enact as much harm as possible. Yeah, which is yeah. why I would think the mountain potentially just because the mountain is is so voraciously like hungry to destroy and harm, you know? Like, and even though he does work for Cersei and then, I, uh, that's a spoiler, I'm not gonna get into it, but like. You know, <laughs> I had nightmares for a week after Oberyn Martell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was rough. That was terrible. I liked him. <laughs> he, <did too. laughs> he, was he was so agile. I think he would but, be a chaotic good. Yeah, or like chaotic neutral. I don't know if he's like attached to anything. Well, I don't know. He liked those like scorpion daughters. He, he yeah, was very he was good. really nice to his kids. That counts. Yeah, that counts. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's do some more. I mean, can you think of any more? Every time I think about Game of Thrones and like uh, putting people in character alignments, I think about this woman that I was friends with on Facebook years ago who um, 
it was when people were really heavily identifying themselves as introverts on Facebook and like posting a lot of shit about it. And she would post all these Game of Thrones memes that identified all of the good characters as introverts of some type and all of the super evil characters as extroverts. And I thought it was really funny that she was using her bias in that way. Uh, yeah. I think about it. I, yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones, what I didn't watch it. That, is? You didn't watch it that much? No, 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 I did end up watching the whole thing, but when it first came out, I didn't watch it at all. So I did a similar thing to what I'm now doing with Handmaid's Tale, where I got to the party late, but then I was able to really, like, see a lot all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but before I watched it, people used to say, you're a lot like that one wildling because she had long red hair. <laughs> it's just it's funny, like it's something that happens when you have red hair and, and maybe some of our listeners also do where it becomes this like face blindness that people yeah. have. They're like, oh, has anyone ever told you you look just like, and then they'll say the name of some woman who also has red hair, but doesn't yeah. really look like me. Well, she's a human um, woman with red hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was, she had red hair and it was sort of the same length. So you two are like, <laughs> you know, swapped at birth, missed a birth. Um, but Cersei Lannister, I think might be, a part of me wants to put her in lawful neutral because she's bad, but then she has her own organizing principle where she's really, really devoted to her children. Totally. And that's like her ultimate priority is her children which is why i can't totally make her evil because that she has this humanity to her in that way i think cersei was misunderstood yeah i like to think about Arya stark too i feel like Arya stark is my rising sign um and i feel like dark is i think she aspires to true neutral because the faceless people are true neutral totally that sexy man who could change his face was a true neutral. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, but she's more of a chaotic good. She loves her family. She does. She does. I mean, the hound is chaotic good, too, in his own way. I love that's, the hound. That's why they're so cute together. And then you've got, I think Brienne of Tarth would be lawful good. Yeah. I think you're right. I mean, she's like, she, she has a little flex to her. Like, she's not like gonna, she's not gonna stand for shit if it's she's shitty, cool. but I- She's still pretty square. Yeah, she's definitely, she's like very bound by honor and, um, and chivalry in that way. Uh, there's also, that makes me think Littlefinger. Ooh, yeah. Littlefinger's kind of neutral evil. Yeah think because he's like he's like down to clown but he's always scheming he's ultimately self-interested yeah he's ultimately trying to move his agenda i don't think he's a chaos i think um oh what's his face the bastard the the one who uh what was his name john snow no not that bastard the other bastard oh the blacksmith bastard the Welsh kid, the one who was like the king and then he married. Um, oh, wait, no. I don't remember his name. Yeah. He cut yeah. that kid's junk off, the kid who came from the oh, island. Oh, that fucking psycho. That's a chaotic evil. Yeah, chaotic evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Ramsey Snow, that's that guy's that's name. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> now we got a maniac. 
Oh, Are we talking man. about Game of Thrones too much? I, I don't know. Is this the part where we just break down Game of Thrones? Was there anything else we wanted to uh, go ahead and apply this grid to or anything else we want to talk about? Uh, I have one more thing from Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> Loxana Troy, Deanna Troy's mother, was uh, listed as a chaotic good in one of the things I saw. And I was like, all right, I can get down with that party vibe. Loxana Troy always wants a good time. And she's fun. <laughs> Definitely. I don't, I, I don't know Star Trek The Next Generation well enough to enjoy. I'll hold off on the references then. I'm sorry. No, I wish I did because <laughs> I, I feel like I'm missing out on something. Um, my, my favorite of the whole Star Trek verse. Uh, it really like satisfied my Gen X Benetton underlying brain architecture. Oh. Yeah. Color blocking? Are you talking about color blocking? Just the idealized utopian fairness world depicted. Oh, like Benetton ads. We wanted to see it come true. <laughs> yeah, we so. did. I definitely do. Yeah. I think, it, I think it's still possible. I do too. But we need a little more chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So chaotic good such as yourself and myself need to keep going. Yeah. What do they say? Keep, um, don't let them get you down. Yeah. Don't let the bastards get you down, Jillian. <laughs> Get me down, you down. Don't let them. All twenty-seven of you. You don't let those bastards get you. <laughs> Thanks for coming, everyone. Should we yeah. talk about the uh, Patreon, Miss Masland? If you like, I mean, it's it's still it's 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 really a bootstrap effort at the moment. <laughs> we have a Patreon, and it's nascent stages, so don't feel compelled to rush out and check on it. But I'm telling you that it's there. And again, please email us if you want stickers or if you want to talk to us. J u n g a m e r i c a n s p o d at gmail.com. Young Americans Pod at gmail.com. Anything else? Um, should we tell anyone who maybe didn't see what our stickers say? Oh, our stickers say, young Americans do it in the void. Put it on your laptop, put it on your car. Put it on your water Binder, your trapper keeper, whatever. Trapper keeper. Skateboard. Yeah, under your skateboard. Do yeah. it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs>